Episode 890. It's mere days after the Packers season is over and there's already major change. A couple players got new contracts, Dom Capers has been fired, Ted Thompson is transitioning to a new role, and Mike McCarthy got an extension. We'll discuss with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caribou, and today we're talking about the aftermath of the Packers 2017 season. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com for our final interview. Nathan, how you doing today? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? Very good. We're glad you could be on the show, Nathan. And, and you know, I, there may be some listeners out there who don't know if they're not following on social media. This is the penultimate episode of Railbird Central as it goes on indefinite hiatus. I'm sorry if you're just hearing that news now. We did announce it on Twitter yesterday, uh, but it's been great having you on the show, Nathan, and uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you over the years. Yeah, I've enjoyed it the past seven years. Um, I'll go ahead and thank you now rather than the end of this show, but <laughs> uh, thank you for asking me to be on what seven years ago now um that's around the same time that i joined pro football focus and you were the first one outside of pro football focus to ask me to do anything like this so um i really appreciate the opportunity you gave me and i've enjoyed the last seven years every wednesday morning doing this (laughs) well thank you i appreciate your insight as as usual uh you come prepared every time i ask you questions and uh and i think you provide something a uh, little bit different than most analysts do. Uh, we got a lot to talk to about Nathan, so let's get to it here. Um, uh, let's good. let's start with the Packers, uh, the players the Packers chose to extend, uh, offer contract extensions, beginning with wide receiver Devontae Adams. I'd like to look at his performance the past two years and how he compares to other receivers over that period, because that's really, I believe, when he blossomed. I think over the past two years, he doesn't compare as favorably to some of the wide receivers who will be making the same amount of money as him or roughly in that ballpark. I think if you combine the past two years and don't look at when the games occurred, I think Jordy Nelson even has played better over that time span. But I think it's really, if you look what he's done over the past uh, half of this season, uh, that's when you can really start to see why he got the contract that he did. Uh, since week 10, he's been a top 10 receiver, where over the two-year span, he was more like a top 35 receiver, so borderline wide receiver one over that time span. But uh, since week 10, he's had nine players miss tackles on him, which uh, that's the second most for wide receivers in that time. Uh, five touchdowns, which is also second most. Um, he has 2.52 yards per out run, which is eighth most. And if you look at the guys ahead of him on that list, it's basically the wide receivers that made the Pro Bowl this year. So um, I think the Packers are really hoping they continue to see um, Adams play as well as he has over the last half of this season. 
And if he's able to do that, then I think uh, he's worth the money the Packers paid him. Yeah, uh, of course, Devontae Adams also has two big hits to his head this season as well. That makes you a little bit worried about his future, but he doesn't seem to be concerned, which is good. Uh, We can only wait and see. Next, Nathan, let's take a look at Corey Lindsley. We know he's the only player to play every snap this season for the Packers, but, but what did he do with those snaps? Um, he hasn't played as well this year as he had in past years. Um, he averaged roughly two pressures per game, which uh, that's the most pressures he's allowed in the season uh, so far. Um, it's also been the lowest he's graded as a run blocker. Um, in the past years, he's been a top-10 center, so um, if you take account his entire career to this point, then he's definitely been worth the money, which uh, this year in particular you could blame uh, part of the problems for uh, the constantly changing players he's had around him at guard, but um, you could also probably blame some of his success early in his career for uh, constantly having Josh Sitton and T.J. Lang, who have been two of the better guards over the past decade next to him. So um, it'll be interesting to see how well he can bounce back uh, in upcoming years from this year. Yeah, I would say he's a top 10 center. I'm not, you know, uh, mixing him up with any sort of top three center in the NFL or anything like that. But I think he's definitely a piece you can build around going forward. Um, And and Nathan, maybe the most difficult decision the Packers will have this offseason is with safety Morgan Burnett. He didn't get an extension yet. He may... At some point, uh, he, of course, missed some time due to injury this year, but but how did he do when he was healthy? Uh, when he was healthy early in the season, he was the Packers' most impressive defensive back, and uh, that was by a pretty wide margin at the time. Uh, he was making plays in the run game, um, allowed 15 or fewer passing yards in each of those first five games, and he was doing that at a lot of positions. At times, he was a normal safety other times he was their dime linebacker, um, other times a slot cornerback and their primary slot cornerback at that. So I uh, was playing very impressive early in the year. Um, since he's returned, he hasn't been the same. Um, he was at uh, allowing 25 or more yards in five of the last seven games. Uh, hasn't been making as many plays against the run. So um, over the over the course of his career, he's had better years both against the run and in coverage. So I would probably blame not being 100% for uh, his lack of success over the second half of the season. But I also wouldn't be all that surprised to see the Packers let him go, especially if another team's willing to pay him. Um, I don't know who will be the next defensive coordinator, but uh, chances are they might not run as much dime defense going forward, especially with how well uh, Jake Ryan and Blake Martinez has played. And the Packers have HaHa Clint Dix and Josh Jones as Uh, the two safeties they can use long-term. So while I definitely think the Packers would be better off having Burnett on the roster compared to not having him on the roster, uh, just with how much they might have to pay him and uh, what they currently have on the roster, the next GM might decide that might not make sense. Yeah, it'll be an interesting decision one way or the other. Um, uh, Nathan, another decision the Packers have this offseason is what to do with Brett Hundley. Can we now look at his season as a whole and determine whether he's worth keeping on the roster as a third quarterback? Because I think the Packers at least have to try to find another two, another backup. 
Sure. I was looking forward to his performance against the Lions, but it was a bit more of the same for him. Uh, over the course of the season, when he's under pressure, he's only averaging 3.2 yards per attempt and getting sacked more often than he should be. So um, he continues to not play very well when there's uh, pressure on him. And even when there's not pressure, he's only at a passer rating of 84, which was uh, third lowest among quarterbacks to see significant playing time this year, which the one good point for him was him running the ball and how good he was able to scramble with the ball around design runs. But that only gets you so far as a quarterback. So I do think he is worth hanging on to because when you compare him to other backups in the league, uh, you can definitely uh, have worse quarterback play than what we saw out of Punley, but I do think it's worth bringing in some competition for him so they can compete for the backup quarterback role. Yeah, I, I would agree. If the Packers keep him around for uh, as a third quarterback next year, so be it, but I just think they have to at least try to, to find somebody to compete with him. Um, Nathan, uh, I don't think I've asked this entire season about Trevor Davis, uh, and he got an extended look in the regular season finale. Uh, I, I don't know how you separate what he did on special teams versus offense this year, but, but can we look at how he did in both phases? Uh, sure. We'll start with offense and sets. What was noteworthy this past game? Um, he had 102, uh, total offensive snaps this season. 55 of them coming over these past two weeks. Um, receiving, he caught more passes this week than he did the rest of the season combined. Um, two nice catches, one for 29 yards and one for 21 yards. So it's nice to see him get a little bit of playing time there and see him succeed there. But um, still, you would like to see that over more of a sample size. But I think special teams are really noteworthy how well he was as a returner this season. Um, as a punt returner, he averaged 11.6 yards per return, uh, which was third best for uh, guys with 10 or more returns on the season. Um, as a kick returner, he had 707 yards, which was fourth most for kick returners. So both as a punt returner and as a kick returner, uh, he was among the best returners in the league this past year. So um, I don't know if that's worthy of him continuing to have a roster spot next year, uh, just with how the return game is less valuable um, in recent years compared to past years with rule changes, but um, he, it's worth noting how good he's played both as a kick returner and a punt returner. Yeah, when he's not making poor decisions, he does well. You can tell the talent is there. Sometimes he makes questionable decisions about when to field the ball or take it out of the end zone, which is a little bit frustrating. But anyway, um, Nathan, if we take a look at the Packers' final game specifically, we saw Emmanuel Bird make his regular season debut at tight end with Richard Rodgers out with an injury. Is he worth a longer look next year? In this past game, he had 11 snaps total, which isn't very much. Um, eight of them were pass routes. Three of them were run blocks. Um, he did have that nice 29-yard catch, so um, he had one good play. But even going back to the preseason, he didn't see a ton of playing time. And in that time, he didn't do too much to impress. So um, there really isn't too much outside of the one play he made in the game that makes me think he's uh, worth getting a larger look, but there really also hasn't been too much on the other direction to make me think it's time to give up on him either. So I think it's just a matter of we need to see more of him next preseason uh, to see if he's worthy of a roster spot next year. 
Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Nathan, I remember talking about Lindsey Pipkins back during the Vikings game at midseason. He got a little bit of playing time there, but he didn't really play a whole lot after that until the last two games now. So let's let's kind of revisit Lindsey Pipkins and how did he do at the end of the season? Oh, sure. He saw 19 snaps two weeks ago against the Vikings and then played most of the game against the Lions, 52 snaps there. So um, against the Vikings two weeks ago, he was thrown at three times, didn't allow a catch, so played pretty well there. And then against the Lions, uh, he allowed three catches for 51 yards, but also had a pass breakup to help make up for it. So uh, when you take those two games into account, the earlier game against the Vikings as well, I'd say he was pretty average for a cornerback and played decently against the run as well. So um, it's not enough for me to say that uh, all offseason that he should be fighting for a starting job, but I think he's definitely played uh, well enough in his limited time to uh, be worth at least some more consideration next year than he got this year. Yeah, that's fair enough, too. Uh, I think he's 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 doing a good job with what he's been dealt with uh, as far as making taking advantage of his playing time despite uh, getting limited playing time earlier in the year. Uh, we'll, we'll end with this, Nathan, kind of an open-ended question for you. But, but if there's one area the Packers need to improve or address this offseason, where is it? What should it be? I think the place where the Packers need to see the most improvement is at cornerback, which that's a position that they've invested at a lot recently as well. So it might be a case of just hoping that the young players continue to uh, make improvements. But I think the area where they probably most need to address this offseason, and they could probably address it more than once, is at receiver. Um, at tight end, they tried Martellus Bennett this year. It didn't work out, so they really don't have a receiving tight end on the roster, and that's something that has really helped the Packers' offense in the past. So I think um, there they could definitely use some help, but also um, at wide receiver. I know in the past uh, they've spent some draft picks on receiver, but um, in the past couple of years it's really mostly been uh, later-round picks that they've uh, taken flyers on at wide receiver. So um, with Jordy Nelson both at his age and how he was playing this year, um, they need a replacement for him, and I don't know if they currently have a good replacement for him on the roster. So um, I think it's definitely time for them to uh, plan for life without Jordy. So I could definitely see them spending a draft pick on a wide receiver uh, pretty early on in the draft. It's going to be interesting. Nathan, before we let you go, do you want to give everyone one last plug for Pro Football Focus and what they can get there by getting a subscription? Uh, sure. So at Pro Football Focus, uh, for a while now we've been uh, planning for this upcoming offseason. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of new tools along the line that you'll get with either an Edge or an Elite subscription that uh, you won't have to pay extra for. It'll just be added on. But uh, with uh, PFF Edge, which you can get for an entire year, um, it gives you a lot of different tools depending on what you're interested in. Um, we'll keep our uh, depth charts up to date the entire offseason of uh, what players play at different positions, and we break it down by package as well so you can see um, how the Packers look in their base defense, how they look in their dime defense, and how those two differ, and do that for every team as well. Um, we'll have a number of fantasy tools which uh, can help you right now if you're doing any fantasy in the playoffs, but also help you all offseason long prepare for your 2018 drafts. Um, we also definitely, over these next couple months, 
we'll be doing a ton to get you ready for the uh, NFL draft as well as free agency. Um, we already have a 2018 NFL draft guide out based on uh, how well players were playing last year. We've been keeping that up to date as well. So um, we'll have you ready there. And we're also working on a free agent guide. So um, now that Ted's gone, maybe the Packers will do a little bit more in free agency. So um, we'll have a guide that's available as well to get everyone ready for free agency and how all of the players are there and how they might fit with different teams. Thanks a lot, Nathan, uh, helping us take a look at the players that the new GM and new defensive coordinator will have to work with. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, I've had a lot of fun over the years. Take care. All right, Nathan. Yeah, thanks again for having me on all these years, and uh, best of luck with you going forward. Thanks a lot. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. And Railbird Central, by the way, is brought to you by Beer Rock, Madison's forthcoming beer bar. Uh... Opening in the spring of 2018, I hope to see you there. And yes, uh, as I alluded to earlier, this is the penultimate episode of Railbird Central for the foreseeable future. Uh, As I've said, we are going on indefinite hiatus. I hope at some point Railbird Central will be back. At what point that'll be, I don't know. The important thing is, is I got to get a business off the ground and it's starting, you know, right now. Um, I mean, it's been starting for, you know, over a year, but we're, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty and, and, uh, construction is going to take place on our place pretty soon. And, and that's going to take precedence. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, this is the penultimate episode. We've got one more left on Friday and, uh, we'll, 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 We'll talk more Packers then, uh, but let's let's get to the Packers news because there's a, been a lot in just the past few days. Um, all right, let's talk about these contract extensions as we give you some details here, starting with Devontae Adams, which was announced the Friday, last Friday, uh, before the Packers regular season finale. Uh, he got a four-year, $58 million extension, including an $18 million signing bonus and $31 million guaranteed. Uh, I believe Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network was the first to report that. The deal averages $14.5 million per season, and that makes Adams the fourth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. $32 million of that contract will be paid in the first two years, and thus the Packers can conceivably get out of the contract after the 2019 season. There would still be $7.2 million left in dead cap space, which isn't nothing, uh, but which isn't absolutely untenable either. Um So, uh, you know, I think it was good that the Packers extended Devontae Adams despite the concussions this year. Um, He seems to think, as he's talked to the media just in recent days, that he'll be okay and isn't, you know, concerned about his long-term health, which is good because those shots he took were, were awful brutal this year. And, uh, you know, the players that hit him, I think, deserve to be suspended. 
Um, and, you know, they, they got to build around something because the futures of Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb are questionable. I'm not certainly not going to rule them out at this point. And I, I would especially not rule both of them out because if, if you were to get rid of both Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb in one off season, that's leaving you with a lot of unproven wide receiver depth beyond Devontae Adams. Not to say that there aren't guys who couldn't emerge, but you know, all of a sudden you have one injury there at the position and now you really got question marks. So uh, I, I think you build around Devontae Adams, and I think it's good that you know uh, they can get out of it after two years, especially considering his injury history. Um, but if he plays like he has really the last two years, in which I believe, you know, I think over the last two years he's tied for the or he's got among the most touchdown receptions of any receiver in the NFL you know, in, in 2016 and 2017. And and that's really what we're, they're paying him to do, to get in the end zone. And he's doing good at it. He, he's really, really good at making double moves out there. He's really improved since that 2015 season when he, you know, he had the encouraging rookie season, a down year in 2015, but really rebounded. Uh, I like what the Packers are doing there. And I think Devontae Adams can be a big part of their future. Hopefully they get a speedster on the roster to complement them because that's one thing Devontae Adams doesn't have is the flat-out speed, but they can build around him. As for Corey Lindsley, it's a three-year, $25.5 million signing bonus. Uh, or, or pardon me, it's a three-year, $25.5 million contract. Uh, it averages $8.5 million per season, which places him in the top 10 highest paid centers in the NFL, but not the top five. And if details have yet to come out on the signing bonus, I haven't seen them yet. I just, they could be out there. If they have, I've missed it. So I still think some details of this contract still have to be reported yet, or we don't have quite all the information yet. But but by signing both Adams and Lindsley to contract extensions before the end of the season here, the Packers have notably allowed money to be placed onto the 2017 salary cap. Uh, th- apparently, this this past Saturday, uh, the the day before the last regular season game of the year, was the deadline for any team in the NFL to. Uh, place money towards the 2017 salary cap in which the Packers had a little under $10 million in space. Um, and uh, they, they took advantage of that. You know, it, it's not the biggest deal in the world because cap space can be carried over from season to season now, but it does help free up space down the road. You know, by placing money into 2017, the Packers can kind of plan a little bit better for the future uh, with with the next contract they sign then um, and they can you know uh, know know that you know when they sign Aaron Rodgers to an extension how they can fit that money into future years so th- there are advantages to it uh, albeit they're increasingly small with cap money being able to be carried over um, but yeah uh, you know the the next deals the Packers have to make um, the the one that's probably most pressing or will come first is with Morgan Burnett just because 
he's slated to become a free agent here, and the Packers may choose to let him test free agency. Uh, they may, I think they'll certainly try to resign him, but for that, they may pick the amount they'll spend on him. And if he wants to resign with the Packers, he can. If not, he'll go somewhere else. I would be surprised if he's signed to an extension before free agency. I'll say that. Um, I'm not ruling anything out at this point, but uh, I just think that he'll he'll be left to test the waters. Uh, and then, of course, Aaron Rodgers is going to come at some point. Um, you, you know, he technically is signed through the 2019 season, but you know the the Packers are going to come to him with a with a deal sooner rather than later. When exactly that might be, it's hard to say. I, I'm thinking more around draft time, like when his last contract extension was signed, or perhaps sometimes during the off season during the summer. Uh, no real rush there anytime in the next few months because uh, they're not pushing any money toward the 2017 cap anymore. So uh, you can allow Aaron Rodgers to get healthy and focus on that right now and then take care of the contract. But, yeah, I mean, those are the things. on the, there, There's other smaller contracts the Packers going to have to deal with, and, and certainly they'll deal with free agency in another month or so, um, but uh, uh, two two months, I guess but month and a half, whatever it is. But we'll, that's a discussion. Well, we're probably not going to have on this show another day, but <laughs> topics for down the road. Um, all right. So uh, the Packers defensive coordinator, it, it was reported even before the Packers final regular season game that the team would part ways with Dom Capers. I believe this came out on the eve of the uh, Week 17 game against the Lions, according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. And not unexpectedly, it did happen after the Lions game, after after the Packers lost in fairly embarrassing fashion, and the defense did not look good. Um, so the Packers didn't just fire Dom Capers. They've also reportedly parted ways with defensive line coach Mike Turgovac and linebackers coach Scott McCurley as well. So there is some turnover on the defensive side of the football for the Green Bay Packers that is not insignificant. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have to, of course, hiring the defensive coordinator will come first and then they'll fill in the position coaches later. But, yeah, there's going to be some new faces in Green Bay uh, here in 2018. And as I was saying, you know, it was not unexpected that at least Dom Capers would be let go here. I I think as the defense deteriorated, not just this year, but, you know, basically a, a downward fashion, downward spiral ever since the 2010 Super Bowl, it became increasingly apparent over time that the Packers would have to do so. I did think that maybe Capers would simply retire rather than the Packers having to, you know, force him out by firing him. Uh, It didn't happen that way. Uh, Perhaps that means Dom Capers still wants to coach somewhere else. Um, We shall see uh, how that goes. But anyway, 
you know, as, as far as the new defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, the name I've heard more than anyone else is Bears defensive quarter, coordinator Vic Fangio, whose contract is expiring. I'm sure you can read any number of articles out there about candidates for the Packers defensive coordinator job. There's probably lists out there that uh, go through the pros and cons of all these you know, people that I don't need to go through here. I, I've certainly heard some names like Jack Del Rio, uh, Marvin Lewis before he was signed to an extension by the Bengals, uh, and others that you can go ahead and read about. Um, but it, it, if there's one person I'd consider from within the organization, and I really think, I mean, sure, you'd, you'd consider all of them, but if there's one person I would seriously consider it would be cornerbacks coach Joe Witt. And, you know, it's it's certainly not a high-profile name because he's never been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. In fact, if, if I'm correct, I think he's been here ever since Mike McCarthy came to Green Bay. So he's just kind of been a position coach this whole time. And, and I mean, he's been blocked from getting a defensive coordinator job, at least in Green Bay, because it's never been open during his time here with with Dom Capers taking over that role. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I could see how, oh, he's not a name brand. People might not be enthused about it, but I think what Joe Witt has done over his time in green Bay has been really remarkable. I'm of course, notably, if you really follow this closely, you know, Charles Woodson, uh, you know, gave his two cents on social media, about uh, Joe Witt as Packers defensive coordinator. And I, I'd like to think I'm not just piggybacking on that. But what he's done, you know, to develop cornerbacks in Green Bay from Charles Woodson. I mean, Woodson was well-developed by the time he came to Green Bay, but really put him in a role to succeed. You know, developing Tremont Williams, uh, Al Harris, again, maybe not developing Al Harris, but playing well under his tutelage. Um, to, to Sam Shields, to the recent cornerbacks here and how he helped Demarius Randall improve this year and is now hopefully teaching Kevin King to take over here uh, in, in a few years. I like what he's done. And then, and then you look at the guys who left Green Bay and succeeded, like Casey Hayward out in San Diego or, or with the Chargers, I should say. And with uh, Micah Hyde with the Buffalo Bills, people that Joe Witt have coached to go on to become Pro Bowl players. There, there's a rather lengthy list of successes that he's had in the NFL. And, and it, it's it's always tough, I think, for defensive back coaches to become defensive coordinators. I think more so it's likely that the linebackers and the defensive line coaches go take that role not to say it's exclusive by by no means but just i i think a lot of times there's the the schemes that you come up with have more to do with how you're applying pressure um more so than anything and then that's things that as a position coach you don't really deal with you know how how the pressure's designed so much i mean you are when 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 you know defensive backs are blitzed and things like that. Um, but, uh, and, and that isn't to say I don't think secondary coaches can become defensive coordinators. I do. And that that's why I'm promoting 
Joe Witt to get a good long look at it because I think he's the best person on the Packers staff for that role. I'm I'm not ruling out that they shouldn't look elsewhere. I think they should. I think they should cast a wide net and and consider people from outside the organization. And, and I will say this as well. Um, you, you know, I perhaps it's time to go back to a four three. Uh, and I I say that just because. You know, what the way things are going in the NFL, you know, the base three four, you know, it's 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 not just three defensive linemen on it it's five, you know, people on the defensive front in a three four. Um and, and I think you you know, with the way the NFL is going, with passing game being, you know, the king, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. I think maybe your base defense should be a 4-3 in which there's only four, you know, defensive players on the line of scrimmage in the box, um, in that front, at least, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, and you're focusing then more on what's happening behind the line of scrimmage um, and more defensive backs on the field. And I think maybe that's why that should be the base defense. I understand there's certainly times when you need guys, you know, stacked up uh, on the line of scrimmage when it's, uh, you know, third and short or fourth and goal or whatever. Uh, But you just adjust to do that. I think the vast majority of the time uh, you're having fewer guys on the line of scrimmage and more defensive backs. And so that's why I think it may be time for the Packers to consider a four, three. I'm not ruling out anybody, a three, four. I would certainly welcome a three, four. If they think the person is the best person for the job and that's what they do. I'm all about it, but I would give strong consideration to anybody that wanted to bring a four, three to green Bay. All right. There's talk on the defensive coordinator. Now for the general manager position. Uh, as far as the GM goes, Ian Rappaport was again the first to report that Ted Thompson would transition to another role with the organization, uh, and that came to fruition on Tuesday. So the report, I believe, was on Monday, and it you know became reality on Tuesday with Thompson being named Senior Advisor to Football Operations, essentially a consulting role. And that in of itself makes you think the Packers will promote from within the organization uh, a new GM, even though they've said they'll consider those from the outside. In a press conference to discuss the move, uh, Packers president Mark Murphy emphasized how it was his decision to get Ted Thompson to step down from the top GM post. And, you know, this is a reaction to the report by Bob McGinn at his new uh, website uh, uh, with the paywall that that Murphy was instructed by the Packers board of directors to do just that. So there's some disagreement here as to whether Murphy was directed to do so or suggested to do so. And that I saw in a tweet from Cheesehead TV's own Aaron Nagler, of course, now working with PackersNews.com as well. Um, but but this whole thing kind of opens a can of worms, even if, you know, Murphy was merely suggested to make a move by the Packers board of directors. What happened if he what happens if he doesn't follow that suggestion? It, is Murphy then sealing his own fate? 
So this whole thing has been a little bit absurd in in my mind as to how this has played out. Um, That doesn't exactly give me the warm fuzzies. (laughs) You know, apparently, uh, according to this article by Bob McGinn, some within the board of directors were not happy with Thompson uh, when he was caught uh, slack-jawed on national television during the Vikings game. And apparently other recent interactions with the board of directors as well. And, you know, in general, I was kind of ambivalent to whether the Packers should move on from Thompson for the GM job in that I knew it was coming sooner or later. So if the Packers gave Thompson another season, I wasn't really going to be feel anything wrong with it just because I knew, well, you know, if they gave him the 2018 season to be GM, that, that would probably be it anyway, uh, that, that they would be making a move, uh, eventually sometime soon. And th- there's been certainly health concerns with, with Thompson, um, that, you know, uh, they've dealt with over the years. He's, he's done a little bit less traveling. I know. And you wonder, how much of a role that played in the decision here. But anyway, um, so how, how do they replace Thompson? You know, it's, it's, it was said that the Packers had four internal candidates for the GM job. Uh, but one of them has already been taken out of the running with Alonzo Highsmith now leaving, as we found out in the past 24 hours to join John Dorsey's staff in Cleveland as vice president of football operations. According to a report by ESPN's Rob Domovsky, Highsmith didn't feel like he would be considered as a replacement for Thompson, or at least not a serious one. And Highsmith had two interesting quotes in the article that was published. And here's what Alonzo Highsmith had to say, quote, it feels good to go somewhere that you feel like you're trusted, end quote. So you kind of read into that and, and think, wow, he feels like he's not trusted in Green Bay. I, I mean, is that just a factor of being there for so long and, and not ever being able to really climb up the ladder anymore? Uh, or the fact that, you know, just Ted Thompson made his own decisions and didn't really go with a lot of things that Highsmith had suggested. Um, so there's that. And then here's another quote uh, from Highsmith. Quote, I hope I did my part for the Packers to make them bad, make them better. Uh, now I'm gone, and you know what? I won't be the last guy. <laughs> End quote. Um, it, it's difficult to read into that last comment by Highsmith because if you take it at face value, he true he won't be the last guy to leave an organization it it happens almost every season to every team including the packers but it doesn't usually happen as a mass exodus and is that what highsmith is suggesting and then uh if anyone else in the organization in the front office was upset at that what was happening in green bay might they now be appeased that the team is going in a different direction, both at general manager and defensive coordinator? So might might they be glad that change has come? 
So I, th- those comments kind of in hindsight of these latest moves are a little bit curious. So I'm not sure exactly what to make of those. Um, but yeah, so uh, uh, Highsmith uh, out of the running as Packers GM, leaving the three other candidates, internal ones at least, to be Elliot Wolf, Brian Gutekinst, and uh, Russ Ball, the contract negotiator for the Packers. Um, Brian Gutekinst reportedly is being considered for the Houston Texans general manager job. Uh, it isn't the first time Gutekinst has been, you know, considered for a job. Uh, I've I've seen suggested, I believe, by Pete Doherty of the Packers that he thought that Russ Ball might be the internal or, or part, the best candidate for the job or the leading candidate, I should say. Um, and not to say he is, that was just one person saying that, but then I've heard by other people say that, well, if Russ Ball becomes the GM, then the Packers are almost certainly going to lose Wolf and Gutekunst in addition to uh, Alonzo Highsmith. So maybe they don't want to do that. Um and, and of course, I think the fan favorite is Elliot Wolf, the son of former Packers general manager Ron Wolf, who led the Packers to a Super Bowl title during his tenure here. So the, there's no shortage of candidates the Packers have. Um, I, I've wondered myself that I, I, I guess I haven't been a big Russ Ball guy for general manager. And I always, you know, these decisions are a little bit above my head, even even as somebody who follows the Packers as closely as I do. But of of course, I follow it, and I believe most fans follow it from arm's length. I don't really know Elliot Wolf, Brian Gutekunst, and Alonzo Highsmith, and Russ Ball outside of the occasional press conference they might hold around draft time or something like that. So it's you got to take these things with a grain of salt a little bit. I mean, I think it comes down to Gutekunst and Wolf, and maybe I think it actually comes to down to Wolf. I I tend to kind of avoid the um, the you know you're simply giving it to him out of you know the fact that he was Ron Wolf's son. You know, I I like to avoid that kind of thing. And, and Gutekunst, I believe, is a little bit older, been with the Packers a little bit longer time. Or, or I'm not sure if that's exactly true. But, I mean, the fact that he's older, maybe he's more ready for it. Uh, maybe that would be my decision there. Um, but, of course, then then you have the chance that, you know, Elliot Wolf does leave leave to become another team's GM. And I don't like the... I mean, I do like Elliot Wolf. I mean, he hasn't done anything to make me dislike him. So I am a little bit torn there as well as I'm talking myself out of this. Um, so uh, I'll just leave this decision to Mark Murphy and, and uh, and you know, trust, I think you have to trust him to make this one um, because uh, they, they know them better than I do. Um, okay, talking about the Mike, there's been a lot to talk about today, hasn't there? Talking about the Mike McCarthy extension, and I don't have a whole lot on this other than it was reported on Tuesday that Mike McCarthy got a one-year extension. Basically, this you know prevents him from being a lame duck coach. You never want to have any coach 
go into his last year with the team because it kind of indicates he would be on the outs and it kind of indicates to players, well, maybe you don't want to sign with Green Bay or re-sign with Green Bay. And it indicates to coaches that maybe they don't want to go there and get a job because they'll have to find another one in a year. So it makes sense that the Packers did this. I don't think the Packers should have fired Mike McCarthy, especially considering that he has been proactive and and making change uh, on the defensive side of the football. Um, And this is very reminiscent to what the Packers did, what, what Ted Thompson did with Mike Sherman and his you know, when Thompson came on board as general manager, he gave Mike Sherman, a, I believe back then it was a two-year extension, but so he wouldn't be a lame duck coach. And they eventually fired him anyway. And I, I think the situation's the same in that Mike McCarthy is on the hot seat. He's, he's I, I think he's safe for 2018. I think the Packers should keep him no matter who the next general manager is. Um, and basically, you know, you're saying, you know, improvement falls on Mike McCarthy's shoulders. If it isn't significant in 2018 with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, well, then you make a change at the coach head coaching position next off season, but you give them the opportunity to improve. So that's where we're And And then the, the report was, is that apparently uh, the report came out yesterday that Mike McCarthy was given the extension yesterday, but the, the, when he actually signed the contract, the Packers just didn't publish it. It actually happened at midseason sometime. Um, it, it didn't just happen yesterday. So they, they've been preparing for this for a while, just never made it public until now. Finally, final note here, futures contracts. In, in Ted Thompson's final act as general manager, he signed five players to futures contracts yesterday. Uh, this, of course, after the Packers season was over, signing five players, five players from the practice squad. The most notable name of which is wide receiver D'Angelo Yancey, a fifth-round draft choice this past year who's been on the practice squad all year. Uh, but also wide receivers Jake Kumaro and Colby Pearson, tight end Robert Tanyan, and long snapper Zach Triner. Notably missing from this list was offensive lineman Kofi Amichia, a draft pick of the Packers this past year, who spent all year on the practice squad, but as of yet has not been offered a futures contract. So the Packers apparently giving up on one of their draft picks from this past year, Kofi Amichia, who I admit did not look very good this past preseason, but thought, you know, well, he needs a year of development and whatever, and you give him a chance next year to see what he can do. And I don't know. It, it certainly isn't out of the question that the Packers could resign him yet, but I question why they wouldn't have done it yesterday unless there's, you know, extenuating circumstances where his wife's having a child or something like that and just simply couldn't sign the contract. I, I don't know. But that that was notable in addition to the other players on the practice squad, uh, cornerback Rayshon Pringle and linebacker Ahmad Thomas, apparently not coming back either. Uh, but let's move on. The day ahead. All right. There's, there's not a whole lot we know is going to happen over the next 48 hours. The biggest moves had, have already happened. Of course, we're looking for the Packers beginning the process of finding a new general manager and a new defensive coordinator. Uh, I don't think they're going to be in a hurry to do necessarily do either one of those. 
I mean, in that, you know, they, they're not going to be a rush to do this by the end of the weekend or something like that. They're going to take, you know, the next week or two to make these moves. Um, I, I mean, there is somewhat of a rush in that, you know, all of a sudden guys can be gobbled up by other teams, especially defensive coordinators. But, you know, they're going to take their time to schedule interviews, and it's going to take time to get all these guys to come to Green Bay and things like that. Um, and I think you'll see the defensive coordinator job filled before the general manager. I could be wrong, but we'll see. So we're, th- there's that to look forward to, I, I think, is you'll, you'll start to see these guys who officially is going to be interviewed within the next day or two here, uh, even if a decision isn't made uh, in the next few days. Um, and then, you know, there, there's one more final piece here that I thought was appropriate in this segment in that it, Rob Domofsky of ESPN had another report that the Packers are considering major restructuring on the offensive side of the football and their responsibilities. Um, and, and we could see that happen here as the Packers conduct exit interviews with not just the players, but the coaches as well. And it's tough to say what's going to happen there. Um, You know, Edgar Bennett has been the offensive coordinator. The Packers are losing their wide receivers coach, Luke Getze, to Mississippi State as he becomes their offensive coordinator. So you definitely know they had to hire someone, but uh, apparently they're going to try to restructure here. And how they do that exactly is... is, uh, anyone's guess um, whether they're going to try to replace Edgar Bennett. I'm not sure because he was a wide receivers coach and maybe he could go back to that role. I don't know if, if Bennett has done so poorly that he necessarily deserves a demotion, Uh, but you've got guys on staff who are probably up and coming kind of guys who could take over the offensive coordinator like Alex Van Pelt, I think would be the top candidate, but certainly uh, maybe they, they're look, hi, looking to hire from outside the organization there as well and bring in some new blood. So um, just just that's that's what you could look forward to over the next 24, 48 hours is hearing about how they're going to restructure and about anybody else they're, they're trying to bring in an interview for these positions. So that's what we're looking forward to, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central that for our penultimate episode was kind of extra long. Um, thanks, everybody, uh, for our final episode on Friday. We've already got the guests lined up. Uh, it's uh, Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog, our longtime guest, usually joins us the second Friday of every month. But for the final episode, uh, I think there's nobody better to have for the, on the final episode than a uh, longtime friend of the show and uh, a guy who knows the Packers organization inside and out and always has their best interests at heart. And we'll hear from him uh, what he thinks of the future of the Packers organization. And maybe we'll learn more by Friday as to who's coming in and interviewing and how the Packers are going to fill these holes uh, in the front office and elsewhere. So, We'll see you later, folks. Thanks, everybody, so much. Thanks to Nathan Yankee for making his final appearance on the show. It's been a lot of fun talking to him over the years. Hope to see you here Friday for the the finale of Railbird Central, which typically aired every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. 
I leave you today with a song called Rosie by the Stringy Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go. Pack. Go. Go.